This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Staff writer Richard Sims filling in for Sherry Laskin one last week this week for Cruise News. And a review is a luxury cruise ship, uh, actually Silver Sea Cruises. It's an 11-night Baltic cruise on the Silver Spirit. So getting that review a little bit later on as well. Jumping right to Richard Sims with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. How are you? So the news broke last Wednesday night that the CDC was going to be extending the no-sale order, but it wasn't all doom and gloom this time. No, it was um, kind of better than anybody could have really hoped. They did extend it, but originally they were talking about wanting to extend it through to at least the beginning of the year, maybe even February. Uh, That was the talk that we heard in that initial meeting between uh, CDC and some cruise executives and the White House. Then they were going to meet on Friday and sort of hammer all this out and give us a final decision on, or at least semi-final, on what was going to happen. But of course, the the world stepped in and sort of changed that whole direction. So the, the, the meeting got postponed. We don't know when it's going to take place. But the CDC did go ahead and say, okay, you know what, we're going to extend the no sale. But they only extended it through the end of October. So any of the lines that were still looking at possibly sailing in November, that window was open. Yeah, the window was open, but we still saw cancellations. Right, exactly. You know what they say, when when a, a window opens, a door closes, or whatever it is they say. So mm-hmm. even though technically we could see ships sailing in November based on the CDC extension of the no-sale order, several of the cruise lines right after this latest no-sale order came down, they took it upon themselves to basically cancel. So Royal Caribbean Group canceled, uh, Norwegian Holdings canceled, MSC canceled. And what they did was all three of them canceled their sailings through the end of November, which means that the earliest that they could sail is uh, December 1st. Now, Carnival has not done this. And Carnival is still sort of saying we're hoping to sail in November. They're not, you know, they're not saying we are sailing in November, they're saying, they're saying we're hoping to. But one of the things that Carnival is doing that is both kind of cool of them and also sort of indicates they might maybe be kind of aware that they're not going to be able to sail in November is they are offering people who have cruises booked in November and December the same opportunities that are being given to people who had their cruises canceled. So if you had a cruise in, in October and it was canceled by Carnival, you were given the opportunity to get not only a, you could either get a full refund or you could get a future cruise credit as well as a pretty large amount of onboard credit for your next cruise. How much you actually got depended on the length of sailing and things like that. So that's what they've been doing over the last few months for anybody who had their Carnival cruise canceled by Carnival. Here, they extended that deal to people who have cruises booked in November and December, but have not had their sailings booked. In other words, if if a passenger wants to cancel their own sailing, if they want to say, you know what, I just don't think it's going to happen, or for whatever other reason they want to cancel, they can do that and take advantage of this same offer, which is really kind of cool because they're giving them 
that onboard credit, which, you know, they very rarely do you see that happen in the case of somebody canceling their own cruise as opposed to the cruise line canceling it. Okay, so we have Royal Caribbean canceled at least through December 1st, Norwegian through at least December 1st, and MSC Caribbean sailings, correct, through December 1st? Yes, okay. that's right. And we don't know. There may be more coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. We could, you know, uh, Arnold Donald, the head of the CEO of Carnival Corporation, which is the company that is sort of the umbrella company under which Carnival Cruise Line functions, he is still talking very positively about the possibility of sailing before the end of the year. In fact, at an industry event earlier this week, when he was asked on a scale of one to five, how secure he feels in thinking that they might sail before the end of the year, he said he was somewhere between like 4.5 and 4.9. And on a scale of one to five, that's a, you know, that's pretty positive. I will be quite honest and say that I'm a lot more down in the like 2.5 to three range, but, Mm -hmm. you know, good for them. And I hope they're right. Well, yeah, I mean, and Carnival does have what Costa is back now with a couple of ships, and IATA actually starts back this weekend with IATA Blue in the Med. So Carnival uh, Carnival Corp, I should say, is ramping up over in Europe. So hopefully they're blazing the way forward for us. I completely agree. I think the only you know, the only thing really standing in their way other than the potential of the CDC extending, because, you know, the CDC could always extend the no sale order even further than it is right now. We don't know. The CDC is in a little bit of an uproar right now, so we don't really know what's going to happen there. Um, But, you know, the big, the big difference between these places that have already resumed sailing and us is how the countries have dealt with and sort of, you know, curbed, their contamination rates. So mm-hmm. at the moment, we're not doing so great with that. So it could impact our ability to return. But it's, the, you know, I think our very next topic is going to cover how that might change. Yeah, mandatory testing for all. Yep. So the Cruise Line International Association, which is the trade organization that oversees, you know, like 95% of the cruise industry, they came out and they said in no uncertain terms that a major uh, factor in the return to cruising will be mandatory testing. And that's one of the things that, again, that industry event that was held earlier this week at which Arnold Donald spoke, several other, um, you know, basically all of the big wigs in the industry spoke, including Richard Fain from Royal Caribbean, who also put out a video to travel partners in which he really talked about how important testing would be and that, you know, we're seeing advances in testing. People, in their minds, a lot of people have sort of been holding their hopes or hooking their hopes on vaccines, you know, like, okay, when vaccines come, I'll be, you know, a little bit more inclined to cruise, that kind of thought. But as he said, even more important than vaccines is testing because, you know, testing will allow them to assure if everybody on that ship from, from crew members to passengers has been tested, it really allows you to create the bubble and it allows you to have that layered approach that they keep talking about. Um, Richard Bain did the best job of describing the layered approach that I've heard anyone do. He compared it to a car. He said, you know, when you get in a car, you have the brakes and that offers you a certain level of of safety, but you also have a seatbelt and that offers you another layer. And you also have an airbag and that offers you another layer. And that's sort of what we're looking at with these various, um, you know, return to safety plans is it's not just testing. It's not just social distancing. It's not just this. It's a whole layered approach that every single layer makes the ship 
a little bit safer and creates more of an impenetrable bubble. And that's the way it is, right? It's this layered approach where every single protocol that they're going to be putting into place is going to be a checkpoint to say, hey, you're eliminated. You're not going on board if you test positive or have symptoms. So I think it will get pushback. But if you don't like it, don't cruise. Exactly. It's, you know, I think the thing that people who want to get on a cruise ship are going to have to start wrapping their head around is you're not going to be able to, you know, in the real world, it's a little bit easier to say, you know what, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to be temperature checked. I just won't go to that store that's caught doing temperature checks or whatever. You want to get on that ship, you are going to have to follow these rules that are being put in place. And those are going to include daily temperature checks, not just a temperature check when you get to the terminal, but daily temperature checks. You are going to have to wear a mask in public spaces. You know, you are going to have to socially, socially distance yourself. Uh, There are going to be differences. And Every single person needs to look at these protocols and say to themselves, you know, is this something I am willing to do in order to go on a cruise? Like me personally, I can't wait. You know, want me to wear a mask? Fine. I don't care. Get me on a ship. I will happily do it. And speaking of cruise ships, Celebrity's new cruise ship is bound for North America. This is such a good news, bad news kind of story, which we have a lot of these days. Like the good news is, okay, Celebrity Apex, which is the sister sister ship. You have to be careful when you say that because you could (laughs) screw yourself up very badly and say something wrong. The sister ship to Celebrity Edge is, you know, this gorgeous, beautiful new ship. Uh, I think everybody in the industry was super excited when edge came out apex is in many ways a mirror of it although there'll be there'll inevitably be some you know new spaces and new new technology things like that so it's on its way it will be sailing out of fort lauderdale for um the for until i think uh, summer of 2021 i believe something like that so that's really exciting that's really cool that this new ship is on its way as we speak it is making its way toward the united states the bad news is of course that it already is having sailings canceled, you know, like it was, it was scheduled to sail in November. They were going to start welcome the, welcoming the first guests aboard in November, and that's not going to happen now. So, so every time that we get more cancellations, we're getting, we're getting that date pushed back when we get our first look at the interior of the ship and all those gorgeous, you know, the martini bar and all those amazing spaces on board. But the ship is on its way, and it's kind of cool that America is going to get it for a while before it goes overseas again. And we'll end on a light note. A cruise ship captain basically laid the smackdown on an internet troll. This is probably my favorite story of the week. First of all, it's Captain Kate from The Celebrity Edge. I am just like in love with this woman. She is sort of a rock star. And it's interesting because I don't know that I could name off the top of my head, you know, any other cruise ship captain other than Meryl Steubing from the love boat. Like, I don't know if I could name mm-hmm. a real cruise ship captain, but captain Kate, she's got a big following. She's really popular. So someone posted on her social media feed, they posted something saying, um, how are you a captain? You're just a woman. And they spelled your Y O U R. So captain Kate did this really, really funny video in which she basically took them to task, taught them the difference between your and your, and then ended it by saying, if you have any more questions, come on back. I'll be here. 
in my captain's seat. And then she jumped in the captain's seat that they were criticizing her not having the ability to, or that she shouldn't actually have. What's super cool about this is not only was the reaction, you know, universally positive. I mean, there was nobody in the comment section beneath this who was like, who do you think you are taking this guy to task? Everybody supported her. But it was also a really great reminder of how inspirational this woman really is. She is the first woman to ever captain a American mega cruise ship. Um, you know, she, in March, when they had the International Women's Day, she headed up an entirely female uh, bridge crew and officers crew for a special sailing. She's just inspirational to little girls out there who are like, oh, wow, I'd like to do that. You know, let some guy come along and say, you don't deserve to do that. She's going to put them in their place. It was, it was really amazing. If you're not following her on Instagram, you should. And she also, by the way, has a hairless cat mm -hmm. that uh, is also has its own Insta Instagram account and is also very popular. So you should follow the cat too. Yeah. And if you want to check out that SmackDown video, we actually have it published on the website at cruiseradio.net. It's entitled Shots Fired. So a listener question comes from Tim today. When will we see a more detailed view of what the new health protocols will look like for each individual cruise line? Really, the protocols you are going to see are going to be pretty much the same across all of the lines. Yes, we will, as we get the actual detailed protocols from each line, we will be posting stories on cruiseradio.net detailing exactly what each line is doing. Because there will probably be some subtle differences, but overall, the plans are going to be very, very similar to what we saw submitted to the CDC last week. So you can either go to the Cruise Line International Association page and look at theirs, or you can go to royalcaribbean.com slash healthy sale plan and read all of the details. It's um, There's a lot there, but it's also written in a way that's really easy to understand. It's not a lot of technical speak. There are a few sections where it gets a bit you know nerdy and wonky, but for the most part, it's really clear, it's really easy to understand, and it'll give you a really good sort of baseline for what to expect. But again, as they actually release very detailed things, which they will, they're going to, you know, they're going to make it as clear as possible for everybody getting on those ships, exactly what will be allowed, what won't be allowed, what protocols will be in place. As soon as they start giving us actual firm information about that, we will create individual stories for each cruise line, outlining those details so that it'll be super easy for you to come to the site find and know exactly what you need to know before you get on those ships. And in the meantime, it's not going to tell you a ton of information, but if you go to the cruise line you're going to sail, go to their website, they've started outlining almost on a weekly basis or updating, I should say, and outlining um, what things are going to look like. Princess just did an update today. So um, it's not going to tell you everything and things are going to change a million times before we start sailing, but it's a good starting point. Right, exactly. I mean, frankly, right now you could go and read one of the stories that we've recently published, which detail a lot of what's in those reports and what will be implemented on the ships. And it's it's exactly what everybody has been talking about, you know, from the beginning. Another thing you can do is you can um, look at what's being implemented overseas on Costa Cruises, on AIDA, because, mm -hmm. you know, Frankly, those are divisions, even though they are um, cruise line sailing out of Italy and Germany, Italy and Germany, respectfully, they are also they are under the corporate umbrella of Carnival. So, you know, when Carnival starts 
for example, rolling out what they're doing on their ships, which include Princess and and Carnival Cruise Line, they're going to look at what's working over there and they're going to say, hey, let's do that here. So, you know, a lot of the information is out there. It may not be specifically uh, tied to an, any individual cruise line yet necessarily in great detail, but the basics are out there. And like I said, as soon as we know, we will definitely make sure we have stories keeping everybody in the loop. All right. I've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. And Richard, before you leave, I want to just tell you publicly, thank you on behalf of myself and the whole audience for filling in for Sherry and giving this information to us presented in a very professional manner. So thank you so much. I am happy to do it. I mean, I'm always glad to have Sherry back because I think she's um, she's a really tough act to follow, but I am happy to at least try and shine in her shadow. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. So last summer, Tom took an 11-night cruise aboard Silver Sea's Silver Spirit. It was an 11-night Baltic cruise from Stockholm, and it went down to Greenwich. Tom joins us on the line. Welcome, Tom. Hello, Doug. Nice to speak to you. Nice to be here. Likewise. I appreciate you coming on. It's been uh, about 11 years, actually, so never have we had a Silver Sea review on the show here. So excited to talk about it. So before we get to the ship itself, give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this cruise on Silver Spirit? Well, actually, it was a part of the world that I had never been to and was really interested in, in experiencing. I am in the travel business, so I sort of focused on this particular sailing and did a lot of... Uh, promotion, you know, in the months leading up to this to our clients and ended up getting a group of about 64 people to participate. So I acted as their host, lucky me, for the uh, next 11 days. That is so cool. So you're in Connecticut and you had to make your way over to Stockholm. Did you do any pre-cruise time before your cruise? We did. My wife and I decided we'd never been to Stockholm before. So we said, let's go. So we did two nights. uh, We went two nights ahead stayed at a great hotel, good location, and walked to everything. But we really got a chance to experience uh, Stockholm and did some fun stuff while we were there. Got a question. Like, you know, there's Seabourn, there's Silver Sea, there's a couple of other luxury brands out there. There's mm-hmm. Crystal. Why was Silver Sea so appealing to you? I've sold quite a bit of it. I've always gotten very, very excellent uh, feedback from clients. I mean, once they sail on, on Silver Sea, they, they, they really become repeaters. The size of the ship is, I think, also very appealing. You know, it's, it's not too big, but it's not too small either. It has all of the bells and whistles that people are looking for. It's been a great product to sell uh, and to promote. Clients love it. They all come back happy. 
So I knew I wasn't taking a risk, let's yeah. put it that way. Very good. So you make your way to the cruise terminal in Stockholm. How was embarkation? Very easy. The uh, ship was docked about 20 minutes or so outside of the downtown area from maybe the minute we got out of the taxi until we actually walked the gangplank. It was probably all of five minutes, you know, getting rid of the bags, turning over luggage. Within five minutes or so, we were in the lobby of the ship getting our room key. Now, does it work the same way as it did? Like when I was on a seaborne cruise, you actually, you boarded the ship and then you went, like we went to a small theater to get our room key and did the check-in. Was it the same way for Silver Sea? They actually had one of the major lounges set up with, you know, some tables and people mm-hmm. behind the tables directing you, I guess, depending on the your, the alphabet, and et cetera. It was very organized. So they directed us to the right table. We turned over our passports. They gave us the room card uh, key, and we each got a glass of champagne. And uh, then uh, they have a whole line of butlers lined up there, and one of them will escort you, and they'll take your carry-on bag and bring you right to your stateroom. Just a nice, uh, a nice yeah, a nice welcome aboard experience for sure it, with the sure butler was. and the champagne. Yeah. So, what were your first impressions walking on board Silver Spirit? Very impressed. It's Italian design, very modern, but it's got some Art Deco accents. You know, there are no towering atriums or, or glitz or glam anywhere, but it's very warm. It's very inviting. It's a very nice atmosphere. Very calm, not stuffy, but beautiful. Really beautiful. Very tasteful. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this 11-night cruise, and what were your thoughts of it? Well, we were very lucky. We were assigned a deluxe veranda. So I think it was about over 350 square feet in size. Very well-appointed, bright, uh, nice-looking furniture, nice king-size bed, flat-screen TV, mini-fridge, which was stocked, beer, wine, soft drinks, etc. Great counter space, good drawer space. Also, plenty of outlets. both U.S. and European outlets all over the place, and USB, actually, as well, at the desk and on both bedside tables. Mm-hmm. So that was handy. The walk-in closet was amazing. Again, lots of cubbies and drawers, plenty of place for hanging stuff. I mean, it was a two, almost a two-week cruise, so we had quite a bit of clothing between the two of us, so it was great space. The bathroom, again, was oversized, double sinks, separate shower, separate tub, Beautiful Bulgari products, you know, all the soaps and shampoos. It was lovely, really, just lovely. People Great have, first impression. Yeah, people think I'm crazy when I say this, but you cannot go wrong with a walk-in closet and a stateroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it spoiled us, really. Because yeah, really I don't does. have a walk-in closet at home, so <laughs> this was really a nice treat. <laughs> as far as the dining on board, now one thing that I really, like when I see people on social media posting about their Silver Sea Cruise, they're always posting, mm-hmm. it looks like a like a steakhouse almost where you cook your food on a hot rock. Yes, is that, yes, yes. Yeah, t- tell me about that. It, that is uh, called the grill. It's up on deck, so you're sort of dining under the stars. The waiters bring you this piping hot volcanic stone. I think it's over, heated up to over 400 degrees. The menu items, are, you know, it's, it's limited. You can do shrimp. You can do steak. I think there might be one other thing. And then that you cook it yourself on these hot rocks. It cooks very quickly, by the way. They bring all the side dishes, whether it's you know a baked potato or salads and vegetables and all the fixings they bring to you. But it's a lot of fun. We ended up doing it twice because uh, we just really enjoyed it so much. 
That's awesome. Now, with um, it being a luxury cruise, and you know, luxury cruise lines are known for being kind of an all-inclusive experience. Mm-hmm. Is there a surcharge for that? No, no. Okay. Of the eight dining options on the ship, only two of them have a surcharge. Okay. The La Dame, which is the uh, like their five-star Parisian-style gourmet restaurant, mm-hmm. very small, only eleven tables. It's sixty dollars per person for dinner, and it's only open for dinner. The other restaurant that has a, uh, a surcharge is Seishen, which is a Japanese sushi restaurant. Open for dinner, 40 per person. No charge for lunch, though. So you can go for lunch, no charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. But all of the restaurants basically require advance reservations. Sure. Except the one. So uh, do keep that in mind. Yeah, for sure. Now, as far as the main dining room experience, um, with it being a ship that only carries around 600 or so guests, mm-hmm. is it kind of a open seating type a situation? Or are there set dining times? How does that work? Yeah, definitely no set dining times. The Atlantide, which is, I guess you could consider it the main dining room in that it's open sitting, it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Again, no problem. Just walk in. We always got a table for two. We did that probably twice for dinner. All of the other venues do require advanced reservations. And in most cases, we were able to get into all the ones we wanted to, with a few exceptions. But I think that, again, helps spread out the people. So there were never crowds. It was never, there were never lines, ever. Mm. And the ship was full, by the way. Okay. Now, obviously, how your buffet experience was is probably going to be a little bit different as we move into the future of cruising. But how was the buffet food and the service up there? It's actually called La Terrazza, and it's a buffet restaurant for breakfast and lunch. Very spacious in the back of the ship. They have tables indoors and outdoors. And for the most part, each station had someone serving you. There weren't many places where you could go and grab things per se. So, you know, that was nice. And they would certainly carry things to your table for you as well. Mm -hmm. For dinner, that same restaurant turns into a full-service Italian specialty with waiter service. So it's not buffet at dinner. But again, the selection was great uh, for breakfast and lunch. So many things to choose from. We did that every day, actually, for breakfast and quite a few times for lunch. Now, you mentioned it was a, you called it a buffet restaurant. Does that mean you could actually order off a menu or just go down the line and pick your food? For breakfast, you could do either one. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to sit down and, and order off a menu, they would bring it to you. If you wanted to do the buffet and just go around and grab the things that you wanted, they would do that, too. So it was very flexible. If you wanted to just have something really quick, you could grab it, sit down, and eat it. If you wanted to sit down, they'd hand you a menu. You could order, and they'll bring it to you. What was it like as far as the casual options available at night? One thing Seaborn was lacking was you had to dress up to go, even if you wanted to just grab a burger because you were in port all day exploring. Like You had mm-hmm. to actually sit down. You couldn't just do a grab-and-go unless you wanted to do a room service where they would come to your stateroom and basically – set the table up, silverware, everything, and just start to serve yeah. a burger. How was it as far as um, casual dining options at nighttime on Silver Sea? I'd say really the only truly casual place, like if you truly did not want to get out of your shorts and, and, and T-shirt, the only truly casual place at night would probably be Scapanella, I think is how you pronounce it. It's, it was their delicious pizza restaurant. And uh, that would be open for lunch and dinner in, and late into the night as well. 
but that was the only truly casual place in the evening. All of the others, I believe, you'd have to follow whatever the dress code was for sure. that night, if it was informal or formal, but you couldn't be in T-shirts and shorts and things yeah. like that. Gotcha. Now, how was the entertainment on this 11-night cruise? Well, I'll tell you, we were so busy with all of our port visits and stuff. We didn't make time to do any of the shows per se. We did do on any of our sea days, the uh, destination lectures, however, since all of these ports were new to us, there were great lectures prior to hitting each of these ports. So we did go to those enrichment lectures, but I didn't see any of the stage productions or musical shows that they had on a number of evenings. We, uh, had full days of touring that just didn't make the time. Gotcha. With the lecturers, uh, actually, I guess outside of the lecturing, I mean, across the whole ship, I know a lot of European sailings, sometimes they do the announcements in multiple languages. Was it like that on Silver Sea? There are no announcements. <laughs> oh, even better. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's very quiet. It's very peaceful. There's no music blasting or blaring, uh, you know, when you're sitting by the pool. There are no announcements about sales in the gift shop or any of that stuff. No, it's a very peaceful, quiet atmosphere. Very relaxing. Very I, relaxing. I think you may have sold me already. <laughs> <laughs> as far as sea days went, how were they? I know there was probably only a couple because these Europe itineraries are normally just jam-packed. But uh, yeah. how was the well, ship? Actually, we were very lucky. We had a total of three days at sea, Okay, which, was, which I love. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a nice time to just really experience in the joys of the ship. And we had absolutely picture-perfect weather for the entire trip. Never a cloud in the sky. It was just amazing. So the days at sea were, were certainly spent outdoors as much as possible. Again, uh, it, it was never crowded. You know, you could get deck chairs. It was just, it was great. It was great. What was the casino situation like as far as uh, the smoke in and around? Well, let me tell you, you're not allowed to smoke anywhere on the ship with the exception of what the, the connoisseurs club. Mm -hmm. You can go in there and smoke cigars or cigarettes. Otherwise, there's no place in the ship or in your stateroom or on the veranda that you can smoke. There are some designated spots out on deck. I don't know exactly where they were because I didn't see them, but that's where I was told smokers could go. So there was never an issue with smoke at all. Very good. And that's... I'm not a gambler, so I didn't go into the casino. <laughs> I'm curious, though, like, did you walk by it at all? Because I'm, like, on yep, Silver, yep. on a Seaborn, yep. it was like the size of a closet almost. It was super yeah, tiny. Yeah, this one was very petite. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, they weren't packing a lot of people in there by any means because it was a very small space. But, uh, you know, very nicely appointed, it looked like. Yeah. But uh, I never actually stepped in. Yeah, I think on our ship we had one table, maybe 10 slots in a casino cage. Wow. That's all we had. It was, like, really, Yeah, really that's tiny. probably about the same as this one. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the ports of call on this 11-night cruise. Sure. What we'll do here sure. is uh, give us the port of call, give us a highlight, and then just go to the next one. Okay. Well, our first port of call was St. Petersburg in Russia. And we were there for three days and docked right in town. So it was about five minutes away from the Hermitage Museum. We had signed up for a number of different excursions each day, and you have to be on an organized excursion. You just can't wander off and do your own thing in, in Russia unless, you have, unless you've secured your own visa. Mm -hmm. So uh, being on sponsored shore excursions by the uh, cruise line, we could sign up for these various trips. We did the Hermitage one day, the Fabrizé Museum, and a canal boat ride. Another day out to Peterhof Palace. 
And then a really cool thing that Silver Sea arranged just for their guests was an evening concert at the Hermitage Museum. So the museum was closed, but open just for us for a private concert. So that was pretty cool. So that was a great stay. Our next stop was Tallinn in Estonia, which again, uh, a port I'd never been to before. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's a medieval city. Very, very cool. We had a wonderful guide. Just really saw a lot of the downtown and these fortified walls and and just truly unique. Um, Very interesting. And then we had a day at sea, I think, and then we hit Copenhagen. And we were there for a day and a half. Again, perfect weather. Uh, We were docked right in town. You could walk on and off the ship very easily. We did a uh, city tour that included the stop, of course, to see the Little Mermaid. She is little, by the way. (laughs) Poor thing gets hit by vandalism quite a bit, though, they told us. Just really, we enjoyed our our day and a half in Copenhagen, had some nice meals outside and some great beer and checked out the Lego Museum and uh, had a fun time. We really did. And then it was uh, another day at sea, and we finished up in Greenwich, England, right on the Thames River. You could see London in the distance, and uh, it was an overnight stay there. And then uh, we were off the ship the next morning. Nice. So I want to go back to when you were in Russia. You mentioned that you had to kind of secure a visa if you wanted to do a, a tour that a- wasn't— Anything independently, right. yeah. Yeah, so if it wasn't a shoreline-sanctioned excursion. Correct. Before you actually flew over there from Connecticut to Europe, did you have to do any kind of like visa paperwork or just your passport and you were good to go? Just the passport and good to go. So again, because we were going to Russia and and not going to be doing any independent touring, Mm -hmm. the ship took care of of our group visa, so to speak. So we had to do, there was nothing to do. They took care of it all. Okay. So you make your way to Greenwich. How was disembarkation there? Again, very organized. You know, it was all color-coded tags that gave you your prearranged time for disembarking. They had organized transportation for people that were on Silver Sea uh, air programs or on Silver Sea post-cruise hotel programs. So they had transportation for those people to go into London and, or to the airports. We did our own thing, took a taxi to Heathrow for our flight back to Kennedy, but it was uh, very smooth, no issues. I hated to leave. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. <laughs> do you, do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone considering sailing Silver Sea? Definitely, once your cruise is paid in full and you've done all your paperwork and completed that online registration form, you can jump in there and make dinner reservations in advance. Because really, all but two of those spots require advance reservations. And just to avoid disappointment, I think it'd be great if you could get on the books and get into the restaurants that you want. You can always maybe move it around once you're on board. But uh, sometimes it can be hard to get into these particularly the smallest of the little restaurants on board. And uh, if you've got your heart set on, on eating at La Dame, there's only 11 tables there. So you got to get a reservation in early. So that would be my advice for first timers. Back to the all-inclusive aspect of it. Yep. What's the alcohol situation like? Okay, so again, it, it is all-inclusive. So all your beverages, wine, beer, hard drink, and they're, they're pouring top-notch brands on everything. It's all included. Uh, the gratuities are included. All of your beverages are included. What would not be included are shore excursions. If you go to the spa and get any treatments, that wouldn't be included. But everything else was included. 
So you could actually like go to the bars or anything afterwards and get. It's not just for lunch and dinner. You can drink outside Absolutely of that. Absolutely not. All day long. Okay. <laughs> Sold. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this trip for you? Doug, I'd have to say it was probably St. Petersburg. That was an amazing three-day experience that I highly recommend. And it was great that we could have those three days because there's too much to see and do in a typical one-day port stay. So three days was really generous and just, uh, it was amazing. So I'd have to really say that that was our biggest highlight. Before we get to final thoughts here, I've been asking this question a lot lately. And what are your thoughts of cruising again once the industry reopens in North America? Well, I'm an optimist, so I'm very hopeful that the cruises will be back. The cruisers are going to want to book and we'll just have to adapt to, you know, whatever new protocols there might be, which I'm sure there will be. We'll just have to adapt and I'm confident, though, that uh, the industry will return. In closing, final thoughts of Silver Spirit. It's a beautiful, beautiful ship. Uh, I think you and I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that, uh, you know, any concerns or fears that, oh, it's going to be stuffy or formal or none of that's true. It's a very relaxed atmosphere. It's not dress up all the time. They have, uh, you know, very comfortable uh, guidelines for uh, clothing and stuff. So it's not like you have to bring your finest all the time. Real mixed bag of people on board. It's, you know, not just the North Americans. You've got a balance of people from the UK, Europe, Australia. It's a nice mix of international people. Um, Very easy to start up conversations with people, sit and have a drink, have them, you know, join each other for meals. It's a very, very nice atmosphere. I highly recommend it. I hope to be able to do it again. It was a great experience. I think what I'm sold on is the easy embarkation, easy disembarkation, cooking my steak on the hot rock on board. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, and probably the alcohol, you know. As far as the price point, though, I mean, yeah, it's a luxury cruise. You're going to be paying a little bit more. Is the value there? I would say yes. You know, I had 60-plus people in my group there, and I'll tell you, I had no complaints uh, everyone was so satisfied with, with the experience, and, you know, it was lots of hugs and kisses when we were all leaving because it was a very happy group. And I don't think anyone felt that they'd paid too much or didn't get a good value. We've been talking with Tom about his 11-night Baltic cruise on Silver Sea Cruises, Silver Spirit. Tom, I sure appreciate your review, my friend. Oh, it was my pleasure. Enjoyed it. Take care now. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. ba 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 da ba da Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.